Don't you love this? <laughs> We've only been doing this for a year. So <laughs> you would think we have our game together. Isn't it great? Well, this is always a pleasure. And it's always a pleasure to, um, to help my brother Tim out and, and being able to bring the gospel to, um, to all you guys and to fill his shoes. I thought there for a minute when he was doing confession, he was just going to go into preaching mode. And then I would only get like five minutes. But my prayer was not answered. <laughs> he quit. <laughs> so anyways... So you guys got to listen to me for 45 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. No. Anyways, our series have been called Every Jesus, Every uh, Everyday Jesus. And um, I have entitled this section of scripture that we're going to go over is um, Friendship Evangelism, which is like, hmm, just make it kind of puzzle there. And um, we're going to go cover the gospel of Mark. And um, I want to read it to you. It says, he went out again beside the sea. And all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus. Did I say it right again? Good. Sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose up and followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and the sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, said to the disciples, why does he eat? Why does he eat? Why did, oh, we went ahead of me. Sorry. Boy, we love this. I'm glad you guys are all have grace and mercy for us. Why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And um, let's pray, and then we'll open up into my sermon. Just something to kind of think about what the, what the um, sermon is going to be about today. Father, thank you for this time that we could um, go through your word and what you have to say. Lord, um, help me get my word straight and, and the message that you want to proclaim to these people here, Lord, here and online. Thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness and grace. Glad we can always depend upon you. Amen. So, as I was going through this, I've noticed that that one phrase in, in Mark is actually in the other two Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, and they all say the same wording, which probably means it's pretty important. And um, I'm just going to go through them a little bit here real quick. Um, in Matthew 9, 12 through 13, it says this also. Uh, did I put all that? No, I didn't. Okay, you had to listen to me. But when he heard it, he said, those who, have, you know, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. That's interesting. I, have desire, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I came to call the righteous, but not but on sinners. I came, I, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I feel like I'm echoing. And Mark 2.17 says, And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And Luke 5.31-32 says, And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call the righteous. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Have you noticed a little sequence in there? From Matthew, there's this interesting part in 13. It says, go and learn what this means. And what he's saying, what, what, what means is, 
What does this mean? I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. And then that's what the whole reason why we became believers of Christ, because we realized we had sin in our lives and we needed to, we heard his calling and we decided to come to Christ. Because he came to call, because we figured we're sick with sin in our lives, and that sin needs a physician. So here's what we have in verse 16. The calling of Matthew, who was called sometime after the sixth disciple. So you got all the disciples being called, and he was like around the sixth one. And the disciples of him was like just any ordinary person. None of them really worthy of calling. They weren't highly educated scholars that had been in the temple and had all these law, like law degrees. They, they, they didn't hang out with the Pharisees so that they could be all, all righteous and good. Um, they were just... They were just natural, regular people like you and I. It is amazing how you, God, can use simple people like us. Because Jesus had already, before this, Jesus already formed some very powerful miracles, showing his authority over all things. And then he comes across Matthew. What's so big about Matthew? Matthew, the tax collector. It's like Matthew, the IRS agent. How's that? Does that kind of bring that fact? Or Matthew, the, you know, I'm behind on my bills collector. So how's that? So that kind of relates you a little bit better. But he wasn't just any old guy in the street. He was the high, the you know how you have the inspector of the library in that episode there. The like, cause you're you're fine, you're overdue, you know, 15 cents. I'm gonna come and get you. You're anyways. I'm getting off key here. But so he came. With, this was this was grabbing some attention to the religious leaders, cause here was this man showing authority over everything. He showed authority over healing the leopard healing the one of, of the first paralegic person. He actually healed Peter's mother-in-law. He actually calmed the storms and it healed the demonic person and he healed another paralytic person. So, eh, you know, if I went around doing that, a lot of these religious high up people are going, hey, who is this guy? But that's how Jesus was. Who is this person? So if you see that person, yeah, I want to be like him. There's something about him. So Jesus came upon Matthew the tax collector, the people considered one of the worst sinners. Also, he worked for the government. That's like me being a tax collector, working for the government. And I say, hey, I know what I'm saying. I know what Ryan goes, okay, all politicians say whatever they want to say. And despite all their shortcomings, Jesus called them out to play an important role in building the foundation of, of the new future kingdom of Jerusalem called the church. Just look at the thief on the cross. And we just celebrated Easter not too long ago. Who didn't even know, who we don't even know his name. But he will always be known as the thief on the cross. Like we'll always be known as the sinner. But when he enters paradise in heaven, what is he known as? He's known as the child of God. It was his testimony of faith that Jesus is the son of God that God amended him. Have you ever realized the thief on the cross didn't go no, um, didn't study the theory of grace and th study the theory of, of, of you know, of, um, I cannot think of all these big words anymore. But anyways, I think you got my point. He didn't have big doctor's degree in philosophy of biblical background, New Testament history. Well, they didn't have New Testament then. Um, Old Testament history. He was just, hey, you are the son of God, I want you. And that's what we got to look at. And that's what I think we're looking at here. So the previous chapters in Jesus' ministry, calling out his disciples along the way, he was also showing his authority over all things on earth. The authority to call all types of men to follow him. Authority over the demons, authority over physical illness. And then we get to Matthew. 
Levi, authority over our occupation. He can call anybody out. It doesn't stop here. Jesus was making himself clear. He was moving and moving from the Mosaic law to the freedom of grace. Not the freedom of grace to do whatever you want, but the freedom of God's grace. Jesus continues onward, making his points on that he has the authority over all. But oh no, not a tax collector. Why would God save a person from the IRS? What, how, or why would God save this vast murderess or, or anything like that? Why would he call someone who in the midst of the sinners even considered him to be part of his ministry? Why? Should he only call those who are clean and want to live in life of purity and, and walk around shaving off their heads and be all silent and look like all highest and pious? Well, as we look at verse 15, and, and as it says, as he reclined at the table in the house, he reclined, it wasn't like he just visited real quick, hi, show my face, show my, okay, now I can go. But sitting and reclining, like my brother over here, just sitting and relaxing, you know? You recline in a lazy chair, or the, the, you know, the couch, or, or on a big old um, bing bag. So as we look at that, Jesus, um, and the sinners, so all the disciples were doing that, for there were many, and other people were following him. So he had a big following that came on, and said, hey, this is where Jesus is going, I guess it's okay. So he wasn't going, Jesus wasn't always going to the temple and find, hey, come and, come and follow me to church. He was going to other places. Why would Jesus and own disciples place himself among sinners of the world? I kind of think I'm glad somebody placed me, found me as a sinner, you know, otherwise I wouldn't be here, we wouldn't be this. Should should they only be among the holy ones in the temple, helping them to become more holy and more righteous? I mean, come on. I mean, we all know that we can't be righteous. We're, we're filthy as rags. So as Jesus calls the sick, these sinners, we are not talking about physical sickness. Like I got a cold, I got a cough, I got, I got the flu. But spiritual sickness, spiritual sickness in, in our soul. That is the sin that lives within us. For it says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short. We're not going to be glory. We're not going to be wonderful to God. Because when Matthew decided to follow Jesus, for when Matthew decided to follow Jesus, he let go of all of his former connections that was against following Jesus. So when we decide, sometimes even in our walk, we start having these other connections that are not scripture or not godly. He left his occupation, a luxurious lifestyle, because he was, you know, taking some for himself. I was taking from the others, and, and hey, man, I'm short on this bill. I'm going to charge this person more taxes. Notice that Matthew, he got up and left everything. He didn't say, well, I'm just going to take these couple of people in case, you know, this Jesus thing doesn't work out. He, he just said, I'm done. I'm walking away. And that's what he did. He just walked away from it. He abandoned all of his uh, materials items. He abandoned his personal identity with all the up higher people for the sake of Jesus and, and so that he might follow him. You know, this got me wondering what that would look be like today. When we accept Jesus Christ and follow, follow him, you have this big dinner, okay, and invite some of your unsaved friends to come to the table and some of your new Christian friends that come to the table so that they might want to follow Jesus also. Instead of saying, I got saved, not going to be real quiet. I don't know, it was just something that was coming across my head. You know, I was like, 
Well, why don't we? Hey, you got saved. Let's, hey, let's invite some of your friends. Let's see who else can we have to uh, follow Christ and be with Christ. Matthew leaving his position meant that there was no return back. So he was in that high position. There was no return going back. And that's a lot of times we have this thing. A lot of times sin would capture our souls or, or as we walk. You know, we might have left something there so we have this like little, we put it on the shelf in case we, you know, might want to tinker with it or see what it's about or put the thought in our mind, just kind of put it in the back porch there. But, you know, Matthew did, where are we at? This is what it means to surrender yourself toward, totally towards Christ. Matthew didn't even reverse one special thing of his job for an occasional gratification. We can, because we can't serve two masters. He would be serving two masters. And in Luke 16, 13, it says, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one or love the other, or he will devote to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And we can change that. You cannot serve both God and whatever, your career. Both God and my friends that, that don't care about walking with Christ. It's okay to be that influence to them. Hopefully they will come over and recognize their sins, but we can't serve both. You know, that's why we stay with married with one woman because I can't serve both women at the same time. I don't know, just thought I'd throw that in there because it's, it's hard. Because <laughs> my wife's here, I'm being good. No, that's a big decision to make. When, when, you're, when you're real, it's real deep. It's hard to wrap your mind around. You know, you know, they always say your highest priority in life is, 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 um, is your God. Is your highest priority in life is God, serving God, or is it serving something else? Is it making other people happy so that way you will be pleasing to yourself? So what happens when we follow Jesus? We leave our old lifestyles behind, take up the cross, and follow him. Yes, people will question you and look at you from the worldly view of the law. Well, if you're following Jesus, you got to make sure your hair is up in a bond or, or, you know, you can't wear make. You got to make sure you wear these nice dress. Oh, you can't go over there because they dance. You can't go over there because there's alcohol there. Whoops, I think you said a bad word. They got all these laws. But something I learned a long, long time ago is that you can't expect unbelievers to act like believers. And then, um, and people will look, for, for, look at you from a worldly view of the law. As in 16, it says, And the scribes and the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, he said to the disciples, Why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? Like I said, there's nothing wrong with eating and, and fellowship with them as long as they're not influencing you because we are supposed to be the influence on them. And what takes that is, is being well, well dug into the word of God. So those who are well have no need of a physician. We all know we're sick. We all know what will, what will, will pull us in into the world. But those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Yes, we are sinners saved by grace of God. Yes, we're all going to have temptations. But it's how far do we grasp that temptation to be part of our life? People may ask you this today. Why do you go and hang out with all those sinners? All they do is drink and party like there's no tomorrow. You know, maybe show up there and maybe there might be someone struggling there that you can share Christ with. But if it's getting too overwhelmed, leave. None of them go to church. Well, then I guess you can invite them. We got about 12 open chairs here. 
Um, well, they are very religious. Well, <laughs> we can go on a religion and, and the relationship we have with Christ is like we have with one another, the personal relationship where we're trying to build each other in, in the love, love in Christ. Well, that person owns a cannabis dispensary or that person owns a liquor store or he, he owns a bar. He'll never give that up for Christ. Well, we just should look at Matthew. Maybe he will. Maybe he found, hey, Christ loves me more than trying to sell all this stuff to please people. Christ loves me more than trying to serve others because they never seem to be happy. They always complain about the food, the beer not being cold, or this, or that, or that, or, or the <laughs> beer, I <make> soda. <laughs> the soda not being you know, cold, or the fizz is not there. Just like here, Matthew, the Pharisees were asking Jesus' disciples about their association with sinners. Why would we want to associate sinners? Don't you only want to hang around like us, the Pharisees were saying? Look at us. We are wearing robes of righteousness. So that you can say, oh, I wish I could be like you. Oh, our sister, you're so holy and pure. Oh, how can I be like you? You know, they're going to fail. They might the next day trip and seduce something or some grassman, but you can't look at other people. Can't look at even me. Because I have flaws too. We all have flaws. But yet we know we have a Savior that, that forgives us. We know we have other Christian and brothers that would keep us in line. And that's why we attend church. That's why we attend gatherings. Um, we, can look, we can all look together. Look down. They're just saying, you know, we all can look. I'm going to skip that. I, can, I was trying to write phrases, you know, how pious people, oh, let's look at them over there. Look how sinful they are. They wear shorts, really, really, really tight shorts. They, they listen to that music, you know, that's really, really bad, that, that's got some slang language in it, and they think it's time. They even talk like that. But look at us. We have Bible study every day. You know, we read God's word. We sing praises. Boy, they can't be, they can't be holy with us. The idea, I don't think that's what God's saying. Go over there and draw them into you. Why do we always have to be drawn to them? I know that sin fights within us because we are the sick people and we need Jesus. Yes, we all, yes, we all as believers in Christ Jesus need each other, but we are healed from our sins when we accept Jesus Christ. Not that you're going to lose your sin and lose your salvation. Jesus will heal us from the sins, heal the things that are bothering us. You know, and there's verses there's in scripture that will help us like that. And we can help each other grow. That's why we come to church. That's why we come to meetings. So we can help each other grow in Christ. I like what is written in um, Matthew 9, 13. It says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And I think it would have beat something over the head because sometimes, just like when you're raising kids, you got to tell them more than three times and they still do it. You know, I think they're trying to give us practice, making sure that they're around. You know, like, or me, sometimes I just don't make it to the laundry basket, even though it gets closer and closer to where the last time I laid it, or, you know, or something like that. Or I trash is in front of the door because I forgot to take it out. I can't walk around it. <clears throat> Anyways, so what does this mean? When it, back in the scripture where it says, learn what this means in Matthew. Remember I read that? Um, and it ties in back. Sorry, I went on a rabbit trail there. So um, it ties back from Hosea 6.6. 6. It says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, 
and the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Here what was happening in Israelites during this time, they were so in tune on the religious stuff. They were so in tune making sure they got the temple right, they got this right, they got that right, but when they left, they were just like every other nation. Sometimes we have a Christian are so focused on our religious righteousness, we sit there and focus on how well we sacrifice things before the Lord and make sure that we are following the law of godly righteousness and not mercy. For the ones who are sick, for godless mercy. For, so we're going to go to Matthew 12, 7. It says, If only we have known the meaning of I desire mercy and act sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. Do you know this meaning? I myself need to be reminded of this meaning. A pastor friend of my wife once said, you cannot expect unbelievers to act like a believer. And we can't. And sometimes we do that. Well, you know, they're kind of persecuting me. I wouldn't worry about the person too much persecuting me. I wouldn't worry about God persecuting me. Because it says in Proverbs 21.3, to do righteousness and justice is more desirable to the Lord, Lord than sacrifice. Are you guys hitting the point here? What is more important is, is um, to do righteous and justice before the Lord than trying to sacrifice. It's good to sacrifice because maybe, well, if you're going to sacrifice a sinful thing, you need to fill it up with something righteous. Do what is right before God, not man. That's a lot of hard, hard to do that when you have that type of personality that's um, like a pleasing person. You want to make people around you happy. You want people to like you. But we should be focused on making God like us. We are to renounce our own righteousness and cast all our merit on what Christ has done for you throughout your new life in him. Not going around and, and have the ones around see you how righteous you are, but see Christ in you so that they will want to follow you. That's why Matthew brought them all in. Look at what Christ has done for me. You know, um, he loved me. He saved me. Well, I can't really say because Christ has died on the cross, but what did Matthew become? A, why did Matthew become a disciple of Jesus Christ when he, Jesus hasn't really died on the cross? Have you guys thought about that? I was going through, I was like, wait a second here. Why were all these disciples want to follow Jesus? But we follow Jesus because of what he did on the cross. What were they following Jesus for? Because um, the eyes of the hearts of the disciples were being enlightened and focused on what Jesus has been doing. He was showing everybody his authority over things. He was showing people he was a true God. And that's what the disciples were seeing. That's what we should see in our own lives. Yes, it's great to trust in Jesus, but look what he's done. Look what he's in control over. Don't you want to be part of him? And that's how we are part of him, by accepting him as our Savior in our heart. They have heard, either heard or seen of his wondrous miracles, what he's done to all these people the sick, and the needy. And to quote what John the Baptist said when he seen Jesus coming, he didn't say, hey, who's this guy? He said, behold, the Lamb of God. What did you see? What did they see with their hearts? A man of sorrows. That's what the disciples seen. Do you see the man of sorrows? One who can bear our griefs, one who can bear the sins of many and make intercessory for the transgressors. They recognize the appointed Savior, before he died on the cross. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They were recognizing he was, because back then they thought sickness was sin. He was recognizing how this man had control over everything. So we must ask ourselves, 
Where, did the, so where, where are the sick so they can be healed? And where should I go or where should you go to bring the sick here so they can be healed? Bring them to other people. Look around you. Even look up here as I stand. I'm a believer of Christ and I struggle with temptation also just like all you guys do. Just because I teach the word doesn't mean I have struggles. Satan doesn't want me doing this at all. He's trying to make my voice go away. And I kept on drinking water. I said, no, no. But he does. He doesn't, he doesn't want us. He's going to make you busy. He doesn't want you to come here to be healed. He doesn't want you to come here and hear God's word. He's going to make sure you get distracted in your daily life so that way you don't hear God's word. You know, we got to watch that and be, be on guard. You know, and make sure that it's, you know, the, the temptations of the world is, is not to make us walk in Christ. But have the love of the Father that's in me. Have the love of the Father in you so that we don't want to do the things of the world. Like, how many pages does he have? Not very many. I'm getting close. So we can show Jesus, so that the, we can show Jesus to others so that they can be healed. And if you want to help people be healed, bring them to Christ. People can go... Who, who, who can you bring to Christ? How about people you're in contact with at work? Or if you go to school online or, or, or just your daily relatives, family members, friends, or neighbors, say, hey, just come to Christ. I don't know. I may not have all the words or whatever to say, but come here and see what God can do to you. You know, and in, in closing, we look at Hebrews 12 too. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So, are you need, ready to pick up the cross and follow him and heal the sick? Or do you need somebody to come and help you be healed? So let's keep our eyes on the final joy of completion, God's purpose in redeeming of his lost sheep. It's funny, I was... um. Reminded of two old hymns, because I'm getting up there hymns, you know, and I actually said the wrong name for one, but it's called Bring in the Sheaves. And the other one, it says, Hallelujah, what a Savior. This old hymn, Hallelujah, what a Savior, is appropriate to quote here. And I'm not going to sing because I have not given that gift. So I am going to read it to you. So just kind of follow along. Man of sorrows, what a name. For the Son of God who came, Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in a place condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Guilty, vile, and helpless we. Spotless Lamb of God was he. Full atonement can it be. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Yes, there's more. Lifted up he to die. It is finished, was his cry. Now in heaven exalted high. Hallelujah, what a Savior. When he comes, our glorious King, all his ransom home to bring. Then anew the song will sing. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Isn't that wonderful? Aren't you praise God? He's great. Hallelujah, what a Savior. It was Jesus' willingness to endure suffering and sorrow in the world, to suffer and sorrow the ultimate rescues of all who trust in him. For this very presence of all, of any suffering and sorrow, he will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or cry or pain. 
for the older of things have passed away from Revelations 21.4. So let us go out and bring the sinners to church whatever way we can so that they may see Jesus as their savior as you once did some time ago. We at Little Hill Church remember what Jesus has done every week by taking up communion. And we have people give a communion. I didn't bring up my cup. Anyways, as it says in Matthew, it says this. You got yours, Tim? Thank you for sitting. Thank you. As it says in Matthew and Mark, and as they were eating, oh, first of all, this cup is only for us believers in Christ Jesus. Because if you have sin in your life or something that's bothering you or, or a brother or sister that, 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 that you just cannot forgive them, it's best just to kind of poke this to the side and rest. So as you take communion, we ask this only people, people believers in Jesus Christ. And then you have a clear conscience. Because it says in Mark 22, and they were eating. He took the bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave and said, take this body, this is my body, take this, this is my body. And then he took up the cup and he given thanks and he gave it to them and he said, drink of it. And he said to them, this is my blood, the covenant of which it is poured out for many. So um, Pastor Tim's going to pray and then we'll take communion. But just let's remember as we go out, in these doors, as it says above there, the mission field. Who can you bring in that's sick? Or if you're sick, you need more, more God. Talk to one of us. Have us pray for you. You know, we're here because we care about your soul and we care about your walk with Christ. Otherwise than that, this is, this is nothing. This means nothing. And I don't like doing things that kind of mean nothing. Mm-hmm. And I know Christ is everything to me. And I want you all to love, love and follow Jesus Christ Amen. also. Right, Tim? Well, thank you, brother. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you and we come as those who are sinners. As our brother Jim talked about tonight, we, we struggle with sin. We are those who are sick and in need of healing. And yet, as we trust in you, Lord, we know that you have promised to, to nourish us, to strengthen us. And so it is, we pray that as we take this bread and this juice that that you would nourish us with the very body and blood of our Savior Jesus, that we might be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit to go into this week, to go into this life ready to do your work and constantly aware of your presence as we go about that life. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. The body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat. the blood of Jesus that was shed for you take and drink as we come before him we experience the glorious day of his resurrection every day so let us stand and sing of that glorious day <laughs>